Hello and welcome to episode four of Careless Whispod, the podcast where we got to move these refrigerators, we got to move these color TVs. That ain't working. That's the way you do it. <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This week we talk about the Dire Straits classic, Money for Nothing. Money for Nothing, and the two pelicans that are going to be discussing this song with you and is Gary and Jeremy. Um, and at Welcome. time of this recording, Gary, good to be back. Ah, uh, it is. And at time of this recording, I believe episode one has gone live. We are live to the world. Yeah. So, by, for for the listener, it's episode four. But for us, number number one's out there. And uh, as I predicted in episodes two and three, I predicted a big, yeah, big a big success. success, a big success. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, baby steps. Um, and so, in, in, all, in all honesty, it's apt that we're doing this song now that we're getting money for nothing and our chicks for free. Um, you, wait, you're, you're getting oh, money you, and, and chicks? Did you not? I, oh. I got to... Oh, I thought... No, no, no. no, no, no I've got to talk to my agent. Yeah, no, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> wait, you got an agent? <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> That's right, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Dire Straits, Money for Nothing. Off the 1985 album uh, Brothers, Brothers in Arms. Arms, what a record! Oh man, what I, a record! I have a lot of memories of my dad playing that yeah, album a lot same, when I was a kid. Same here, same here, and the, even that the, the title track Brothers in Arms mm. um, is. I mean, what else is on that record? Uh, is Walk of Life on that I, record I as well? I believe it is. Yes. Um, so so many hits, which may hey, who knows, be the subject of future episodes. Hey. Um, but. This song, Money for Nothing, was Dire Straits' most commercially successful single right. of their career. Number one for three weeks in the US, number four in the UK, uh, and number four in Australia as well, I believe. So, so that's just for the single. That's just for the single, yeah. The album, I actually have some chart information for the album Brothers in Arms as well. So, Brothers in Arms in the UK, that UK albums chart, it was number one for 10 weeks. And the Billboard 200 in the US, it was number one for nine weeks. Jeez. And in the Australian albums chart, number one for 34 weeks. 34 weeks. It was a bit of a popular album. We loved Over them here, here and they yeah. did a they did a huge tour, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll talk about that uh, uh, later in the episode. Yeah. Um, they got a 1986 Grammy for Best Rock Performance. You were saying they got another Grammy as well. I can't remember what that one was for. Uh, might have been something to do with the album sales, I think, but I I don't I don't remember off the top of my head. I don't have it in my notes. Well, it yeah. sold a metric fuck ton, so yeah. Um, got the video of the year for the third MTV Video Music Awards, which I kind of like considering the lyrics. Sure. Um, <laughs> but before we go any further, have you got a bit of stuff? Give us, give us some. Set the scene, Gary. Okay, so the band what have Dire Straits been doing up until this point. Well, the band uh, formed in London in 1977. Uh, it surprises me that they're British, actually. Really? No. Growing growing up with them and stuff, they they had such an American kind of sound to me. I thought. yeah, I mean, and they obviously had a lot of success in America. Yeah, um, which I mean, do you see that kind of crossover these days? I don't know. 
I don't pay attention to modern pop music. No, I don't really either. It's just all this old shit for the yeah. for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the the members then were Mark and David Knopfler. His brothers in, I knew that. Yeah, yeah. brothers in arms. Yeah. Though, <laughs> Are they all? Even though his brother wasn't actually on Brothers in Arms, so yeah. Oh. <laughs> Then we had uh, John Ilsley on the bass and Pick Withers on drums and percussion in the early days of the band. Anyway, uh, for Brothers in Arms, it was a bit of a different lineup. Uh, Mark Knopfler and uh, and um, Ilsley were still there. Mm-hmm. But uh, we had Alan Clark on keys, Guy Fletcher on keys and vocals, and Terry Williams on the drums. Oh, there's also a guy named uh, Omar Hakim on the drums as well. Oh, yeah. He's uh, quite a famous player. Yeah, mm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, Mark Knopfler was really the, the mainstay the of Knopf. the band. The yeah. Knopf. <laughs> the Knopf. The Knopf. The Knopf. The Money th- for Knopfing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it was his project, right? Yeah, totally. Um I think there was no, there was no never any sort of second guessing as to who was in charge of Dire Straits. Well, totally. He he he's quite an interesting figure himself. He had uh, he had nine solo albums and he uh, recorded nine film scores. Yeah, he's gone on to have quite the career, hasn't he? Yeah, he he uh, recorded the score for The Princess Bride uh, for Wag he the Dog. I forgot that. He did too. Yeah. That was a great sound and a great film. Oh, man. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really good. <laughs> Inconceivable. Inconceivable. As you wish, Gary. As you wish. <laughs> uh, let's see. Nopla. Oh, sorry. The Nop. The Nop. Recorded and performed with Eric Clapton, Bob Dylan, Elton John, Van Morrison, Phil Linnett, Brian Ferry, B.B. King, and so many more. Uh, he produced albums for Bob Dylan, Tina Turner, Randy Newman as ah. well. Uh, I mean, he is, he is up there as, as one of the sort of heroes of 70s and 80s guitar rock, right? Totally. Like he's up there with Clapton. He's up there with, Most definitely. you know, all those sort of players. Well, literally everyone you just mentioned, really, <laughs> you know. Yeah. There's a great video clip, which, which we might try and link on... Uh, uh, link below um there's a great interview he does he's on parkinson and he has right. three guitars with him i think it's yeah. two or three guitars uh-huh. and he quickly takes you through how he sort of came up with some of his major riffs one of which is money for nothing oh. um and it's just really good to sort of get that sort of insight into his playing and well shall we move off the knopf and and get on to the double knopf <laughs> and get on to how he, he came up with that riff i always uh tie my shoes in double knops <laughs> <laughs> Well, that guitar tone um, in this—I didn't know this—the guitar tone in "Money for Nothing." He was modelling off uh, Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. Oh, ZZ Top! I hope they make an appearance in a in a later episode. That would be good. Yeah, maybe legs or sharp dressed man. Yeah, like surely. Yes, that would a- be great. anything from Eliminator. Really. Yeah, pretty. Well, yeah, pretty would, much would fit. This I thought they podcast. only did one record, um, <laughs> and so much so. Uh, Rolling Stone considers Money for Nothing the 94th greatest guitar song of all time. Indeed they do. There you go. Which is great because uh, Mark Knopfler was actually self-taught on the guitar. Yeah, wow. Uh, he has three honorary degrees in music from various uh, 
uh, English uh, university. But he's self-taught. Self-taught. I love that Considered shit. Considered a virtuoso. Like, yeah, he's, uh, you know... Doesn't play famous. with a pick either, I don't think. I, I don't believe he does. Yeah, doesn't it doesn't play doesn't look pick. like he does in the videos that I, I watch. But he's a virtuoso. We may never know. We may never know. Um... So the, just on the riff a little yeah. a little further. You want to riff on the riff? Uh, let's riff on the riff. This is riff on riff. <laughs> yes, dear listener, thank you. Welcome to the uh, the inaugural <laughs> segment of riff on riffs with uh, Gary and Jeremy. Yep. Thank you for joining us. Uh, <laughs> the so, podcast within the podcast. <laughs> in the podcast, we mentioned in the last episode that it's mainly we're saving you the time of looking at Wikipedia. <laughs> Song facts and, and genius. genius. <laughs> <laughs> I actually went a bit deeper uh, on uh, this song. Oh, you've gone above and beyond. I have. I watched a bunch of docos and interviews and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, I watched two docos. With the Knopf? Uh, one was with the Knopf. Yeah. And one was with the rest of the band. Yeah. Without the Knopf. Without the Knopf. Oh, no Knopf. This, this was primarily focused on Money for Nothing in particular. Wow, okay, yeah. Uh, so one was, uh, the docker was going through his guitars like he was doing on Parky. Yeah, Parky, yeah. Uh, and uh, they were talking about the guitar he used to write Money for Nothing. And I'm pretty sure it was a Les Paul, right? I believe so. As opposed to, I think he usually played a Strat. Yeah, yeah. But so, I think for this, he picked up a Les Paul because he wanted to get that mm, uh, tone. He wanted to get that tone. And so what he did to get that tone was, you know, he used that particular guitar, like you say. But he also had a he had it hooked up to a wire pedal. It was a wire pedal, and that's how they get the... Yeah, he just compressed it like halfway. And that's how... It, that's how you get that... Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's how he says he got the tone. The rest of the band in the other doco. Oh, here we go. Oh, shit. shit. It's on. It's controversy already. Oh, man. This is great. Mired in controversy, this song. Uh, The rest of the band was saying they were in the studio. They were ready to record the song. Someone knocked the mic and it was pointing at the floor rather than at the amp. And it gave it a whole different sound when the mic was pointed away from the amp. And uh, they were about to move it back to where it was, and they were like, "No, let's let's keep it like this because it sounds amazing." And that's how the rest of the band reckoned they got the tone. Yeah, right. So it's up to you, listener. You you decide. Man, there you go. I don't know. I don't know what to believe anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the the microphone bit uh, was on Wikipedia, so I probably wouldn't believe that. Yeah. <laughs> Why well, you shouldn't believe everything you read on the internet? Ah. That's weird. I mean, that's what this podcast is about. Just everything we read on the <laughs> internet. Pretty much. So not only are we saving you time from Wikipedia, Songfacts, and Genius.com, now it's just YouTube as well. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think one was on Vimeo. So wow. So, you know, that. <laughs> um, that was Riffs on Riffs, the inaugural Riffs on Riffs. I think we'll keep it. Yeah, I think it's... Yeah, can we keep him? Yeah, yeah we can. Um, speaking of, we can't speak about Money for Nothing without uh, speaking about the mighty backing uh, vocals by one Gordon Sumner. Gordon Sumner, a.k.a. AKA Sting. Sting. Uh, the police, I dearly hope, are a subject of a future episode. But in the meantime, he's credited as a, a co-writer, mm. but has said in interviews, the only thing he wrote was, I want my MTV. Mm-hmm. 
in that uh, in that intro and then obviously uh, in the outro as well. What I loved was I think he also admitted that it's the exact same rhythm as Don't Stand So Close to Me. Like, I want my MTV. I Don't Stand So Close to Me. I think I should have researched this further. I think they were recording at the same studio. Ah, right. I yeah, see, I yeah. see. Or it was either that or he was on holidays or something like right. that. And they said, hey, do you want to have a, do you want to have a blow, you know? Do you want to, do you want to make some uh, quick money, uh, let's see? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's credited as a co-writer, you know? Yeah, I mean, and all he wrote was that one That's all he wrote. And, and then he performed it on the song yeah, as well. That's yeah, that's it. That's good. That's money for nothing <laughs> right there. <laughs> Uh, now, um, let's move into lyrical territory here. Yeah. Now, famously, the lyrics were written around uh, overheard lyrics in, in like an appliance store yeah, in New York, I think. Store. I think it was uh, in New York. I'm not, I'm not sure. I think but, it was uh, in America somewhere. Yeah. And it was uh, an but appliance so, store. So the verses are written in the... They're, they're a character. Is, is it written in the first person or third person? I don't know. I don't know enough of it. Just write it would, in and tell us. It would be the first person, I think. Yeah, but it's, it's it's a character. He's got a quote here. The lead character in Money for Nothing is a guy who works in the hardware department in a television, custom kitchen, refrigerator, microwave appliance store. He's singing the song. I wrote the song when I was actually in the store. I borrowed a bit of paper and started to write the song down in the store. I wanted to use a lot of the language that the real guy actually used when I heard him because it was more real. Do you know Motley Crue actually thought it was about them? Oh, serious? Yeah, yeah. I think it was Nicky Six piped up and sort of said, oh, I think it's about us. That's a, that's a, like a bit of a Carly Simon, you're so vain. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> isn't it? Right? It's just like, no, you pelican. That's not about you. You know? Um, um, but there is... there. We are skirting around the issue, Gary. Yeah. has made this uh, song... I mean, it caught a controversy when it came out, and it's continued to do so for this day, which is the use of the word uh, faggot. Right. Um, that little... What is it? That, the, the line being specifically, that little faggot got his own jet airplane, I think. Uh, that little faggot's a millionaire. Yeah, isn't there a line about he has an earring in his ear? In his makeup. Like earring in his makeup. Yeah. Anyway. We, anyway. <laughs> and uh, look, at the time, I think it caught a controversy uh, from obviously... Not only people within the gay community, but um, and and sort of gay radio stations, gay radio station and newspapers uh, and newspapers. Um, in 2011, Canada actually banned it. Banned the song from the radio. Um, banned the song from the radio. It, it, that has since been uh, repealed. Um, uh, I, I remember reading that a couple of radio stations in Canada would play the unedited, unedited version, version in yeah. protest. I think. One radio station even played it on repeat for an hour. I think it was a couple of hours, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, look, I want my MTV as much as anyone. <laughs> but for two hours? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think that's too much. Do you know what? I think it's interesting that we bring this up in these in this day and age, Gary. Sure. Because this, I mean, this is the hot thing, right? Um, even to this day, the, the sort of whole concept of free speech and censorship and all that kind of stuff is now, uh, in this day and age, more prevalent than ever, right? Yeah. And we were talking about it earlier... We, we didn't want to sort of go into this too much because, sure. honestly, it's the subject of a, a podcast unto itself. Totally. And, we're, and we're about the good time, pop, fun times here yeah, on Careless Whispod, but we can't not address it. Sure. And this, we were sort of saying... more about the joy that we find in these songs. Find not, in these not songs. Not like negative uh, connotations exactly. and all this kind of stuff. But, but honestly, we were sort of saying, 
I 100% see both sides of the argument. Definitely. You know what I mean? Like, there was a great article, and we might link the article by Sadie Doyle from The Guardian in 2011. Mm. I mean, it's The Guardian, so it's probably giving you a little bit of an idea <laughs> on what way it leans. But sure. <laughs> um, And we'll link it below. But, you know, and it said rightly, Sadie, I'm assuming, uh, is Sadie is a lady? Um, could be a cleaning lady. Could not be. Doesn't matter. Did, um, did you assume her gender? I, I did. <laughs> I have to because I don't know. <laughs> um, she said, well, faggot is a word that is specifically intended to hurt and dehumanize gay people. Yep. You know, um, that said, it is written as a character, isn't it? It's a it? character. Uh, I, this is what I was just saying before we started recording, is that when uh, anyone's writing anything, a story or a, a movie, mm. whatever, the, if they put words in the mouths of their worst, most despicable characters, it's because the writer wants to show how negative those ideas are. Yeah, You yeah. know what I mean? The words that they're saying. And so, of course, this um, this pompous character who is the, the, the basis of this song would say something uh, degrading like that. He'd be uh, homophobic. Well, I think and... it's implied that he did say it. Yeah, isn't right. It? You know, like sure. it's something he overheard, you know. Well, yeah, exactly and right. I think, yeah. and, and look, it's a grey area, but he is not advocating for uh, the mistreatment of homosexuals. You know what I mean? Mark Knopfler is not. And, and pricks like that exist. You yeah, know? exactly. And as you said, it's sort of exploring the, the abhorrence of those ideas and those people, you know? Sure. It's a, the, the song is about a blowhard that he's, who is so obviously jealous. Yeah, yeah. He, he is so not in touch with his own emotions and feelings. Yeah. So, of course, he's going to lash out at uh, things that he doesn't understand, be they gay people. Or rock stars on the TV. Yeah, 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 yeah. All yeah. that kind of stuff. Exactly. So, look, I think we talked about that. For I long mean, enough. ultimately, uh, and I think Sadie says this in her article. Ultimately, I think it is up to you, the listener, to decide. Totally. Um, but for me, um, I still love the song. So there you go. <laughs> Which brings us to the topic of the video. Oh, the video. Now, before we we sort of went into the video proper, I wanted to give uh, just a little bit of background on MTV. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. MTV referenced in the lyrics, they, they and uh, also probably the medium that helped give this song the popularity it did because of the video. Right, I, I believe it was one of the most popular videos to ever be on MTV. And again, I think MTV could be the subject uh, of an episode unto itself. Mm. Um, MTV started in uh, 1981. And I I didn't want to go too far into it, but I really wanted the listener to sort of think about the sort of concept of, which is hard to do these days, (laughs) pre-internet, pre-YouTube. Do you know what I mean? The concept of just a music video station was sort of mind-blowing at the time. We could probably call this podcast pre-internet. Yeah. <laughs> All the stuff we cover is uh, so far is, is pre-internet. Is pre-internet. Is. So this all of a sudden was a hugely influential medium, mm. you know. So that coupled with... Um, this is back in the days where the M and MTV stood for music. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, hugely influential when it sort of came out. But Knopfler wasn't interested in a video originally, was he? Uh, he he really didn't want to make a video for money for nothing. Uh, he didn't like the idea behind it. 
uh, but MTV was strongly urging him. He sort of thought it wasn't the pure... It wasn't a pure artistic Mm. expression like playing live or songwriting. You know what I mean? So MTV asked the uh, director, uh, a guy by the name of Steve Barron, to yeah. go talk to Mark Knopfler. Didn't they fly him to Budapest? He or went something? to Budapest, where they were, where the band were playing. Uh, they were playing a gig, and they met up after one of the Dire Straits gigs. Uh, and but, he still wasn't really into it. Yeah, he still wasn't into it, but his but, girlfriend was there. Yeah, yeah. And said, "There's no interesting music videos on TV nowadays. This video sounds interesting. I reckon you should do it." And so he did it. And he did it. Um, so he, he uh, did it in a minute. Call back to uh, episode two. Uh, <laughs> Steve Barron, the guy that directed the video, is pretty interesting dude as well. He uh, he directed two movies from my childhood. Oh, really? Uh, he directed the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. You're kidding me, did in, he? In 1990. I love that. I, I lost, lost the sigh. I, I can get it back. back. I can get it back. Casey Cricket, no one understands cricket. You gotta know what a crumpet is to understand cricket. Yeah. Oh man, we're going back right to the the childhood. I remember how dark that movie was. It was just light wise, it was very, very dark, you know. Uh, and they're referencing movies like Critters and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that was a great film. I haven't watched that in years. So good. I I probably wouldn't watch uh, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, two. The Secret of the uh, Ooze. The Secret of the Ooze, yeah. Doesn't hold up so much? Not so much. Uh, Vanilla Ice is amazing in it, but uh, the rest of it... Well, uh, he's, he's, a, he's an auteur. He's, I a, mean, he's an artiste. He's a virtuoso, yeah. some would say. He's, he enjoys, um, amongst other things, stopping, collaborating, listening. Listening, yeah. He's um, a good listener. Yeah, he's a good listener. <laughs> uh, yeah, too bad. He should have cut back a bit on the ice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> he he's also collaborated with uh, Insane Clown Posse has Vanilla Ice as well. Just really? a little bit of trivia there. <laughs> wow, I love how you crowbarred, buddy. ICP. ICP in this podcast. <laughs> they are a fascinating band. I, I would love to maybe cover them on one of these episodes. Cool. Maybe, maybe I'll not. be washing my hair that week. <laughs> That'll be a solo episode for me, I think. Uh, also Steve Barron though the director of the Money for Nothing video which is what we were talking about he directed uh, Coneheads as well Did he? 1993 oh man uh, he uh, directed some episodes of the TV show The Storyteller as well Did he? he did you're kidding me that's a TV show we talked about on Death Talk About Metal once I, well. that was I think the one of the first VCRs I ever owned was that and the Dark Crystal, too, actually, as mm. a matter of fact. They were some of the first VCRs. When we first got a VCR player, yeah, with John Hurt. John as Hurt, the, yes. As the storyteller. The narrator, yeah. Fantastic actor. Anyway. He also did a lot of music videos. He, yeah. I think he did just about every uh, AHA music video, <laughs> including uh, Take On Me, which yeah. is which was a massive he one. He took on them. He, t- he took on that video. <laughs> And we'll probably cover that song yeah, at some yeah. point, I reckon. Uh, but he did videos for Bowie, Fleetwood Mac, Madonna, wow. Michael Jackson, Paul McCartney, and many, many more. Well, I looked into... So Ian Pearson and Gavin Blair, yeah, who did the, the animation... Animators, yeah. Uh, went on to form Rainmaker Studios. They did. And I looked at their sort of... Uh, all, all the stuff they done, their filmography, I should say. And it's it's... 
heaps of kids animation. Yeah, right. Lots of Barbie work. Barbie work. Barbie. Like Action Man, Beast Wars, like all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, That's wow. like all those sort of kids shows. Yeah, but heaps of Barbie. Heaps of Barbie. I mean, you know, if it's making them money. Good work if you can get it. Money for nothing and Barbie's for free. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, you know, something else that I fucking love about that video, though. What? Is how they intercut the live performances and they had the rotoscoping with the the colorful yeah that's that's what i was gonna say and the guitar fret yeah i i mean mark knopfler's uh sort of glowing headband Mm. that sort of was his signature classic um man that's great um I guess, I guess it's at this point we should probably touch on the Weird Al parody. Oh, well. yeah, I completely forgot about that. So yeah. Weird Al <laughs> did a parody of the song uh, called Beverly Hillbillies. They had to change the title to Money for Nothing slash Beverly Hillbillies because of some legal thing. It's all dry and boring info. Uh, but uh, Al wanted to cover the song for his movie, The the Video from UHF. <laughs> and uh, he wanted to do the music video. So he got in contact with Mark Knopfler. And Mark Knopfler agreed to Weird Al being able to parody the song as long as he could play the guitar riff on the song. That's pretty cool. Which is amazing, right? To be honest, I, I see no reason why uh weird al would have said no to that you know what I, mean? nah, I want to do it on an accordion you know what i mean which actually would have been really cool but um it's an inspired actually you know what if you haven't seen it uh go away and watch it uh, and we'll, we'll just wait right here we'll, we'll wait here we'll wait here we're not doing anything better with no, that time we're just you know i mean um I tell them what songs are coming up. You, you would have thought. I mean, is it that? Ma- like, make that it- said, we can't be that because we didn't tell them to watch the weird out. But I mean, That's you figure. True. But you figure if it pops up, if, if people look at it on YouTube, I, it would have been a related video. I, and who wouldn't want to watch? I'm just sick of these leeches, right? We we put in so much effort, hard work, and they all they get is entertainment from you us. You know what I mean? Like they and don't they give nothing. They don't time. understand. Uh, the difficulties involved in in being as famous as we are yeah, now, you know, bunch the, the, of scumbacks. Oh, oh hey, hey, hell, you're back. <laughs> hey, didn't see you there. Hey, how, you, hey. how long you how long you been how long have you been sitting there? Uh, we were just kidding, we were just of yeah, 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 yeah. We're just yeah. doing a bit of riffing. It's a podcast thing you wouldn't understand. Yeah, great video, huh? Inspired. So so close to the original video to that Weird Al version. I love it, man. I would have loved to have been in the room when he put two and two together <laughs> that the lyrics for beverly hillbillies went to just the fit tune so well of money together. for nothing yeah oh just you would have been so happy and uh the offending lyric uh that we were talking about before it was replaced with that little planet <laughs> which <laughs> oh dear uh, but look, uh, for, uh, for the younger of you listening, the Beverly Hillbillies was a TV show from a long time ago <laughs> that I that I grew. You know up what? With. Go away and actually, no, we're not going to do no, that. We're, no, let's we're, not do it again. We, we haven't got time for that. You go and watch it in your own time. <laughs> we want to talk about now the, the, tour the tour for the Brothers in Arms. The tour de Force. The tour de Force lasted a year, like a year long mm. tour. Now I just wanted to bring up. Now I remember talking to my cousin about going to see Dire Straits. He went to see them on this tour. Yeah, right. Um. 13, so, uh, 13 shows straight 
in Melbourne. Imagine that. 15 shows straight in Sydney. They left and then came back to do another four. Mm. And to put that into perspective for Australian listeners, they did seven shows in Perth. Seven shows in Perth. A week's worth of shows in Perth. Nobody plays Perth. Exactly. <laughs> exactly my point. But Dire Straits did seven times. Seven That's, times. That just, I just think that puts into perspective how fucking big this song and this band was at this time. Yeah, particularly in Australia. Like we yeah. mentioned before, the charts, like 32 weeks or 34, whatever it was, in the, in the number one spot. I don't think it was consecutively, but the the total. They amount just of uh, struck a chord, as it were. Oh here. shit! Is so that a, uh, is this another riffing on riffs? Uh, oh no! No, no. Okay, no. Never mind. Never mind. It's not riffing on riffs. You know what it is. It's and God, I'm so happy I named this segment this sure. because it has never been more relevant. It's time for the money shot. Oh, the money shot. Uh, uh, the money shot is where we speak about our favorite parts of the song. This is the money for nothing shot. This is the money for nothing shot. My favorite part, 100% the intro into the opening riff. Sure. The, that, in that the extended, in the extended version, not the video version. If you go yeah. and listen to the album version, it has this amazing extended introduction. We're not going to wait for you to listen. We're not going to wait for you to listen to that, but... And then just when the, it, it's such a big build up and then mm. it just drops into not flu, the knots, the, the double knots uh, riff, man, <laughs> go listen to it. That's my favorite. So that's your money shot that's, is the, that's my money shot. And the eerie kind of stings when uh, not, I want my, when MTV. the not shoots his proverbial, proverbial sticky riff all over me. <laughs> I am happy. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yours, Gary? My money shot was almost going to be the drums, the the drum fill leading up to the the opening riff. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, 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 version. yeah. But that's, that's not that's not the money shot for me. The money shot for me is actually for this song is actually not. A musical part. Okay, what is it? It's the absence of music. So, in the riff, it goes... That pause there. Oh, just how he chokes the strings. He chokes, and it goes... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's just that beat. And then it, uh, it's back. Yeah, it's, yeah. That is my favorite part. Oh, that's that rad. Riff. That's that, such that a good That little part. pause is just... It just does it for me every yeah. time. It just fucking gives me goosebumps. It gives you... It just... That it's so funny how little bits like that that might have even been a mistake, you never know, <laughs> just make the song. Oh, God, I'm so worn out after this money shot. Oh, man. Uh, money shots I want to do, they, they wear you out. Uh... <laughs> I've got to... We've got to... We better go get the mop before the next episode, Gary. I've got to <laughs> clean this place up. Well, speaking of the next episode, shall we decide... Uh, well, shall we let the fate decide what the next song we're going to cover is? Uh, yes. So, I actually have something for, for this. this oh, time. really? Uh, so usually we just play... Oh, uh, the... that's actually kind of handy because the camels I ordered, uh, for my harebrained scheme to choose the next song actually mm. cancelled. Oh, they did? So it's good that, um... Bloody camels. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, apparently they don't, um fit in a Volkswagen Golf but the point is you've got something and that's good <laughs> uh, have you seen the movie Minority Report yes 
you know how there's those uh, precogs in the in that <laughs> pool. Yeah. Did you notice the pool of water over there with precogs lying in there and looking all weird and stuff? Hang on a minute. Oh wait, for the for the listeners, I just did a big double take. I was wondering what that was. I meant to ask you about that. So the precogs, yeah, are gonna tell me what song that we're covering. Okay, what yeah. song we cover in the next episode? That, that makes sense. So yeah. I just, oh, what they? Well, if I just ask them, yeah, that means I won't do the playlist on the phone. Yeah, and if I don't do the, do playlist, the playlist on the phone, they won't have anything to predict. So I have to do it on the playlist on the phone as usual. <laughs> so we may as well just do it how we usually do well, it. Well, I the last thing I want on this uh, podcast is to interrupt the space-time continuum. <laughs> we cannot have that. Not even a little bit? No, we cannot it have like that. Sounds like <laughs> That's for the other podcast. <laughs> right. Uh, yes. So let's, let's rotate the board. Yeah, I kind of feel bad it took all this time to bring these precogs into hey, the studio. Hey, that's fine. I've got somewhere to scoop the cum into now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was for our podcast Handy Wipes. <laughs> right. Actually, that's can a, we do that? Careless, episode zero. <laughs> careless whispered handy wipes. We we got to do that ad. Oh yeah. For when you, <laughs> for when you blow your load listening to pop music. <laughs> Did you just blow your load? But you're on the go. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the guy on the train with the with the headphones is kind of bopping along. Like, oh. <laughs> And then we lean in with a box of handy wipes. Uh, it fucking rides itself, this thing. Oh, uh, actually, you know what? Fuck this part. We're, we're going into. <laughs> we're going into. Advertising. We're going into advertising. All right, enough of this. <laughs> enough of this gay banter. Let us let us move on to uh, the next song. So I'll just uh, get the playlist, put on shuffle here, right. and here yep. we go. Oh my yes. god, the longest time by Billy Joel. We got a bit of a BJ. We got a bit of Jilly Bowl. Oh, oh excellent. I can't nothing wait. but net. Man, these are. Bangers. Man. Bangers. Uh, we haven't released these episodes yet, but I can just see our name in lights already. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Uh, just riding on the coattails of Dire Straits and Billy Joel. Just basically. give us the money now. <laughs> like, you might as well. So I've been Gary. I'm Jeremy. And you've been listening to Careless Whispod. We'll see you next time. Bye. Um, got the video of the year for the third MTV Video Music Awards, which I kind of like considering the lyrics. Sure. Um <laughs> But before we go any further, have you got a bit of stuff? Give us, give us some. Set the scene, Gary. Wait, hang on a sec. When you say you like that it won the MTV award, considering the lyrics, that's yeah. for the um, F word that's in there, right? <laughs> <coughs> oh, Gary. More on that later, dear listener. But set the scene we, for us. We'll cut that. Out. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> set the st- scene for us, Gary. Set the stage. Okay, so the band... What have Dire Straits been doing up until this point?